What's up, Lamb Fam? Welcome back to the Life After Miscarriage podcast, where we unapologetically chat the ins and outs of what life is actually like after miscarriage. I'm your host, Shelly Metling, and with four angel babies myself and one rainbow baby here on earth, I have created a platform for you guys to share your stories. So sit back, relax, get ready to relate, laugh, and cry as we get real on what life is actually like after miscarriage in the 21st century. Hello, everyone. We have Ruby Hull on today's episode. I'm so excited to get to know a little bit more about her, Ruby. I'm just going to toss it at you. Start wherever you would like with your story. Sure. Um, let's see. I so me and my husband and I have been together well over ten years. Uh, we met when I was like 18. I was like a freshman in college. He had just graduated, so we did the long distance thing for a while. And then when I came back home, you know, we continued our relationship and um we got married in 2016 so it's gonna be four years uh this October um we we kind of like for a long time put off the whole having kids thing everybody's like oh because like the first thing when you you know when you get married everybody's like oh when are you gonna have kids and we're like no we're not doing that right now um we prioritize like I mean he we were you know both trying to figure out you know what our careers were work was um all that stuff so uh, we have two great dogs. I love them very much. Um, they're, I mean, they're not children, but they're referred children. And we, you know, we, we kind of like in the beginning of this year in January, before even COVID happened, we're like, you know what, like I'm turning 29 this year. My husband's 33. So it's like no biggie, whatever for him. But, um, as far as for me, you know, it's like, I, you know, you, you have an idea where you think your life is going to be when you're like 18 or 19. Like I thought I was, you know, like I was going to be married and have kids by the time I was 25 and lo and behold, 29, I have no kids yet. Um, so we kind of started talking about it and then, you know, COVID happened and, um, I got furloughed from work for a couple of months. So we kind of just said, okay, we're going to hold off on this because, you know, financially, we don't know what's going on in the world. I mean, in in the world in general, it's just just pure chaos. Um, So we held off and I think I I got off my birth control after my June cycle. Uh, And I got pregnant like immediately, which was like, we, we were both just like, oh my gosh, like, how did this happen so fast? Um, it was crazy. And, you know, I, I had literally, I, I was, I was sick in the beginning of July, like July 4th weekend. I thought I had COVID. So I, I was, we were going to have people, a couple people over just like a couple and we ended up canceling. And then, you know, sometime in between July 4th and July 16th or something, I must've conceived. Um, so it happened. I, I remember finding out towards the end of July. Yeah, it was like July 29th, 30th. And I was sitting, you know, like I was working and I felt really like off. Like I felt really like, just like, I had a hard time sleeping. I just like, I, I, I'm an anxious person by nature sometimes. And I just felt anxious. And then I also felt like I was nauseated the entire day. And sometimes it happens to me in the morning and I'm just like, okay, maybe I'm just going to get my period because it was around the time I would have normally gotten my monthly. And I was like, 
you know, it, it's it probably just, it's just cramping. It just hurts because, you know, whatever. So I took a test three days before I was due, which everybody tells you not to do. Again, I did it anyways. Uh, and it came back positive. So I ran over to my friend um, who's currently pregnant and she lives two houses over. And I said, you know, like, is this like, what is this like? Cause I, I, I mean, I've never done this before. I've never been pregnant. I don't know anything about all of this. I'm like, I needed a second opinion. My husband was actually out of town um, for like a long weekend with his family. Um, I couldn't go because I had work. And um, so I, I, she told me, she's like, do you have another one? And I said, yes. So I came back home and I tested. I tested again, I tested positive. I was just like utter shock. And I was just like, oh my God, this is like, how did this happen so fast? Like, this is like crazy, but also like wildly excited at the same time. And um, I didn't know how to tell my husband. I, I'm terrible at keeping secrets too, another bad thing. I, I had to tell my dad, or not my dad, my husband. So I just, I called him. And then while I was on the phone with him, I sent him a picture of the positive test. He's like, is this yours? And I'm like, yes, it's mine. Um, where he's like, you're pregnant already. This is so fast, blah, blah, blah. Um, and obviously, so my, my, my friend and her husband had known because I ran over to her house. So, my, and now my husband knows. I ended up telling my mother-in-law because I'm very close to her. Um, so I think two weeks later, I experienced I, like some like very like, I, like light light ish bleeding but I just I again I I don't know why I was bleeding it was really weird to me I you know I assume like when you're pregnant you shouldn't be bleeding so I think everybody assumes that something is wrong so in my head it was like uh, August 6th ish I would say that in my head I thought I had lost a baby just naturally you know because everybody always says like don't say anything for 12 weeks because you you don't know what's you know you might miscarry blah 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 so I went to the ER that day and they did like an ultrasound and testing and you know they said um that I was only like three and a half weeks long so they couldn't see anything in my uterus and they said that's probably it could have been implantation bleeding or it could have been um I think they said, oh yeah, yeah, it could have been an ectopic. And in my head, I'm like, oh God, I have an ectopic. Okay. So I had the bleeding and they told me, you know, to follow up with my OB. So I followed up my OB and um, they told me, you know, I had to wait till my eight, eight week appointment. So my eight week appointment would have been like August 30th. So when the bleeding kind of stopped. So I kind of thought everything was okay. I felt okay. You know, my blood work came back. Okay. My HCG was going up. Um, my progesterone, I believe, um, from when I was in the hospital to like two days later decreased a little bit. So then my OB put me on like a progesterone, uh, supplement. So following that week, I think uh, like a, a week and a half later, my husband and I had planned to go to my husband's family's cabin um, up in Wisconsin, um, just because we wanted to get away. COVID kind of like restricted, you know, a lot of the places that we could go, we could do things. So we packed up, you know, the two dogs, him and I, we drove up there. Um, they've got two, I guess, cabins on this property. So luckily um, his mom was up there at the same time as us. 
we, you know, we had a really good, we were there like, I think Wednesday through Sunday. So Wednesday, Wednesday through Friday, we had a really great time. I, you know, we, my mother-in-law and I ended up going out for ice cream that Friday night. And I think that was the 14th. Um, and then I felt really dizzy. Like I felt just, I thought, and again, I thought that maybe it was normal because that's, I'm so unfamiliar with all of this. Like, I don't know what's going on. Um, so yeah, felt really dizzy. And then I remember that night I started getting really, really bad, like cramping in my left, like pelvic area, like my left ovary area. So my husband's like, well, like, is that like, you know, I told him it's like, it feels really like not normal, you know, worse than it was two weeks before, like the weird cramping and the bleeding. So the cramping started to hurt that Friday night. So I started to think, I'm like, oh, you know, like, I'm just, like I've been going to the hospital. Like, I don't want to go again. Maybe I'll just wait till we get home because we were going to leave Sunday. So Friday night, I go to sleep. I wake up in the middle of the night excruciating pain and then I start having bleeding so it was like 4 30 5 30 in the morning I told they had something I was like we have to go to the hospital so going to a hospital you know in an unfamiliar area where you don't know uh, you know it's not my normal doctors I don't I don't really I you know you just don't feel comfortable because it's not who you normally not who you normally deal with and they don't know your background and you know especially with COVID they're like oh you came here from Wisconsin you came here from Illinois and now you're in Wisconsin and um, we got there at the hospital and, you know, they had to have the ultrasound tech come in because it was still really early in the morning. They were on shift. So we had to wait like an hour until that person came and um, she came in, she did the ultra, uh, transvaginal ultrasound and um, she did it fairly quickly. She was very kind. A minute later, she walked out and then the doctor came in and says, yes, this confirmed, you know, this is ectopic. We, you know, we need to surgically intervene, you know, to keep you stable um, because if it was to burst, it could cause bleeding complications and possibly death, which I'm, I, I've never had surgery before. So I'm just like freaking out. I, I hate getting um, needles put in me. So they're like, you know, when you become pregnant, you're a human pincushion because they're always taking your blood work. Um, so I had to become a little bit more comfortable with that as far as people sticking needles in me. So when we were in the hospital, I think I got like, I had like two IVs and uh, tons of people coming in and taking blood samples. And I, I was like in so much pain. I think it was just because of like the agony of like, one hating to be in a hospital and then learning that you know like my pregnancy wasn't viable that they had to remove my left tube and my pregnancy and i had never seen a picture of my pregnancy i i didn't really know and then after surgery you know, they were giving me morphine. I was waiting and waiting because they had to do a COVID test um, before I started and like jumped ahead. Um, they had to do a COVID test before I went in. So they tried, they swabbed me, whatever, but the test didn't come back. And the surgeon's like, you know, we have to get her in the surgery because this is like time sensitive. So they just did it without the test, I think. Um, but when I was leaving the hospital, they told me like, hey, you're negative. And I'm like, yeah, I, I figured I didn't have any symptoms or anything like that. But 
Um, yeah, I mean, the, the surgeon, anesthesiologist, anesthesiologist, um, every, and the nurses were really great at that hospital. Um, you know, I, it's just a bummer that I had to lose my left tube. I mean, I guess they said it was like, you know, like your fallopian tubes, like the size of a straw and the baby was like a golf ball. And I like, that's the thing I always wonder, like, I don't know, um, if it was a boy or a girl, what if it was more than one? I, these are all the things in the world that I'm never going to know. Um, and it's, it's a bummer. I mean, we were, you know, everybody was like, oh, you're healthy and you're young. Like you're going to have a great, you know, you're, you're, you're fine. I mean, I really didn't have any of the, um, what do you call it? Like the, the pre-existing, not pre, I guess like like symptoms, I guess. Yes, like sub substal, uh, like like, you know, like I wasn't, I didn't have any pre-existing like. Yeah, I know what you're trying to. I, I know. I don't know what the word like, is. Of um, <laughs> you know, like, and they, and they told me like usually this happens to people that um um have gone through that are 35 and older, like so geriatric pregnancy, um, people who are smokers, people might have S, like a history of SPDs and um or people that have gone through fertility treatments i did i had gone through none of those so concerns maybe that's the right word you had no pre-existing yeah. concerns yeah so they so yeah so they never thought like i don't think like it was i mean they 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 mentioned it briefly but i guess it was so rare that they didn't think it would happen i don't i don't know i i mean i think back on it and you know you think about all the if ifs ands or buts like maybe if I had gone to a different doctor or maybe if I had done this or done this I'm never gonna know I mean I've come to terms that like it was totally out of my control it's just it was just like the worst way I mean the whole thing is like um you know and my you know my husband's never had kids we've you know so all this whole process is just like you know he's alone and well luckily his mom was there like god thank god um, she took care of my dog. She took care of my husband while I was in surgery because I'm not a person who likes to be taken care of. So after having the surgery, I got out and my nurse was pregnant, like visibly pregnant. And I just wanted to get out of there. She was a really nice person. I'm not saying anything against her. Like she took care of me. She did what she needed to do. Um, and she was very kind. I just, it was just like another like jab, like this woman is like visibly, visibly pregnant and I just lost my baby. So they wanted me to stay overnight and I was like, no, I'm leaving. So, so I, they told me like, I needed to be able to walk on my no walk on my own and go to the bathroom on my own. So I pushed myself and I did that. And the, the cruddy thing about having like a family cabin is it's a shared cabin and we didn't like everything happened so fast we didn't tell the people that were the coming up next what had happened. So we had, my husband and my mother-in-law had to basically pack us up and then I had to sit in the car six hours and come back home um, after my surgery. So it was, we had to get out of the car every few hours to make sure I don't get a blood clot and all that crud. Um, it was, it was a very traumatic, crazy thing. And I mean, I can go into deeper detail as far as like, but that was just a whole bunch of family drama. And at that point, I just wanted to be home. Um, so we got home and, you know, you, you have all the, I had, you know, I have three scars I never had before. 
So I looked at myself and I just like, I just felt like betrayed by my body. I felt, you know, upset and sad all at the same time, you know, grieving the loss of your child. It just, you know, I just never, you, you just never thought like this was going to happen to me. Uh, I, I honestly like just, just was just shocked. I just, just couldn't believe it. I think for like a couple days, I just like, I couldn't, I couldn't eat. I couldn't like think straight. I was just so sad. And I think the hard thing is when you go through something like this, like it's just a really lonely path because nobody else is going through what you're going through. And there were some family and friends that were super, you know, um, supportive because, you know, it had gone around the family or whatever. And, and the couple of friends that I had told I was pregnant, I had to tell them that I wasn't anymore. And they were all, you know, everybody was, they were all really understanding. And then the sad thing about pregnancy loss is that you learn, you know, the kind of people that you probably shouldn't have in your life because they say really rude things and they're just, I don't know, just not kind and not empathetic and just kind of ruthless in the things that they say. And I know part of it has to do with the fact that they've never experienced loss, but, you know, telling me that God needed my baby and that, you know, or if it was like, oh, you weren't that far along or, or, you know, like, don't, don't discount the fact that like, I, I carried my baby and, you know, people can argue science and all that, but to me, that was my baby and I got it taken away from me. Um, and I, and, you know, I'm a very logical person. I know that it wouldn't have worked out either way. Uh, it just, just, just a sucky thing to happen. Um, so, you know, my mother-in-law, so her sister was a, like a NICU nurse. So I kind of reached out to her for some support, um, to ask, you know, for, you know, help on like, you know, is there, uh, like a support group or a counselor? Cause you know, she's familiar with this and she was, just, and you know, her, my mother-in-law was just super kind through all of this to help get me and my husband through it. Um, so she sent me to a counselor. I started talking to my counselor probably once a week and that has helped a lot because especially over time, I think that like people feel bad for you at first, but then they're just like, okay, they expect you to move on with your life. So, you know, you have to get back to work. You have to, to, to be normal again. You have to adapt to a normal lifestyle, which like it's, it's, it stinks. It's hard. I mean, it's so frustrating how nobody talks about this and nobody, nobody educates you on this either, that this could happen to you when it happens so often. And I was very socially transparent. Like I, I didn't really give a crap. Like if somebody, like I posted and it was like, here's my story. Like I, you know, like if you, you know, if, if you had nothing nice to say, then I, you know, then I, I, that's probably not somebody I need to talk to, but I, you know, I just, honestly, I just wanted people to know because it just, it happened so much. And when I did, I found out probably 
not even 50%, I would say 70% of the women I knew had gone through miscarriage in one way or another. And I had never known because they have, they might have healthy children now, but they went through a, a loss, their first loss, their middle loss, you know, something happened. And I didn't know, you know, cause nobody, just nobody talks about that. So when I posted that on my Facebook, it, you know, like people reached out and said, Hey, you know, I feel the same pain as you do. And that kind of just, this is just a shitty thing to go through, but knowing that other people kind of understand your pain and feel what you feel, that devastation and sadness and grief makes it a little better just because you know, you're not alone. Um, so I think, you know, kind of reaching out and talking to all those women and learning about, you know, what they went through. I mean, to me, a loss is a loss. Like I'm not comparing in any way. It's just, you know, you still feel that same devastation, whichever way. Um, the trauma is just different in everybody. And it's just, just a terrible thing as a, as a woman to go through. So, you know, in, in that way, I, I learned more about my friends and, you know, family just to, to feel what they feel um, and understand their grief and how they dealt with it. And, you know, everybody deals with it differently. I mean, I hate when people say this, but like, it really is just time. I mean, I always, you know, there's always things that like you think about like, oh, this would have been my child's room or this would have been when I um found out if it was like a boy or a girl and this is when I would have been 12 weeks I could have announced it and like I was I was you know technically due in April so I think that that's definitely probably gonna be a really tough time for me um after the ectopic pregnancy they told um myself and my husband to wait three cycles so about three or four months so so right now we're in that like weird phase of just kind of waiting and trying to decide uh, what's next. I don't know if I'll be ready in a month and a half um, or if I need to wait longer. I think I'll just kind of decide then. Uh, it's, it's traumatic because like you have that drive, you want a baby and you want it now. Uh, but I, it's not like I can go replace, I can't replace the baby that I lost. And I think that's the hardest part is that you belong so much to be a mom and you lose it. So, I mean, I guess the good thing is that, you know, after I had my ectopic, you know, I can still technically get pregnant on my other side, you know, so my right tube and my right ovary. Uh, it's just, you know, they said it might just take a little longer uh, to conceive and I could have a normal pregnancy. But then on the other hand, there's a risk of another topic. So I don't know. I don't, there's a risk. There's still risk of miscarriage. There's, there's, there's so many things that being pregnant, I had no idea that I would worry about what I would think about all the time uh, and trying to get pregnant again and all that stuff. Uh, and then I'm trying to think, oh yeah. And then after I had my ectopic pregnancy. So I had that on the left side. So I had my left tube removed on the right side. I ended up getting a large cyst on my right ovary, like two weeks later. Um, and the doctor said that was just because I guess 
I was trying to like set my cycle right and reovulate and then the egg didn't release from the cyst and the cyst got really big. So I was in excruciating pain from the cyst and I had never had a cyst like that before. So they measured it. It was like nearly the same size of my ovary. And so then they're like, okay, well you need to monitor it for torsion because your ovary can flip over or I don't know, all this crazy stuff. Like it was just bizarre. I just, I just wanted it to be over at that point. I wanted it to be normal again. I, I, you know, ever since I was, I had the early breeding, early bleeding in my pregnancy, I was just on like physical rest. They told me not to do anything strenuous. I couldn't work out anymore. I couldn't do it. I was just, I felt so sedentary and lazy. Um, and I didn't feel like me because I wasn't, I wasn't active. Like, I mean, I'm not the healthiest person. I'm not going to say that, but I do regularly, you know, try to exercise or, or take my dogs on a walk and do this and do that. And I wasn't able to do that. So it was just like, I was being, you know, one, I'm already stuck in my house because of COVID and two, being not able to move around because you didn't want to risk the pregnancy or the cyst bursting and stuff like that. Um, the cyst ended up bursting naturally a week and a half after I went to the ER for that. So that was super painful, but I am so glad that it did because I didn't want to have surgery to remove it because they told me that surgery would cause scar tissue on my ovary, which could in return hurt my my fertility on my right ovary. And I don't, you know, obviously because what happened on my other side, I, I didn't want to risk anything on my, on my healthy side. Um, so it was, um, now I think we're at like the tail end of it. Like I, I'm healing from cysts. I'm healing. I hit my physical scars from that topic have healed, you know, it's just going forward and dealing with like the, the mental aspect of it, you know, and I just awareness. I just, I, I don't want people to feel bad for me. I just want people to know that this could happen. And it happens like way, 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 way so much. Like, I mean, we just saw it recently with a celebrity and, you know, October is pregnancy loss, infant loss awareness month. So I just think that people need to learn about it. I think we all women, like it's such a cliche for us to talk about something like this and what we go through. And yes, like our husbands have a loss, but it's, 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 it affects us just, just way more and more deeply in a different way. Um, but we, it's hard. I think it's hard on your marriage. It's hard as a couple when you have to silently keep, you know, everybody's always asking you, you know, when you're going to have a kid or I go to the doctor, I went to the eye doctor a couple of weeks ago and they're like, Oh, do you have any kids? And I just had to say, no. I mean, like, it's, it's just, that's just the first thing when you meet somebody is they ask you if you have a kid or it's just, it stinks. Cause I, and then I, I can't sit there and tell them like, Oh, this is my whole story. Cause I'm going to think I'm a nut job. Um, <laughs> <laughs> so I just say no. And then I move on with the conversation, but, um, constant tricks. I mean, yeah, there, there, there totally are. But I mean, that's the whole reason I wanted to do this podcast is because, you know, what happened to me might happen to somebody else and, you know, to know that they're not alone out there and somebody else has gone through this. I, I don't know what the future holds as far as, you know, my future children, but, you know, I have hope that, you know, I will try my hardest to be a mom and one day, one way or another, it will happen. I don't know how, but, you know, 
it all work. You know, I have faith in that. And that's the only thing you can hold on to when you have something so traumatic and devastating happen to you is just hope that, you know, it might work out in the future. Absolutely. Now, I always ask at the end of every episode, if you have one piece of advice for somebody in a similar situation, what would it be? Don't be afraid to get help. Um, You know, you can't always rely on, you know, your, everybody else has other stuff going on in their lives. Not you're like your friends, your family and, and your spouse, you know, you, you can't expect your spouse to grieve in the same way that you do. So leaning on an outside resource that has, you know, no background on it, I think has helped a lot. And I, I was kind of hesitant at fun. I remember the first time I talked to my counselor, I just like, I like half of me was like, yes, you should do this. And the other half is like, oh, this is stupid. This is a waste of time. Um, but honestly, it's probably the only thing that's gotten me through, um, moving forward with this and, you know, getting, a, you know, just coping with it and dealing with it is just talking to my counselor. So, you know, get the, join the, um, you know, community group or, uh, you know, seek a counselor. And I mean, there's tons of free resources in your community. Check out your local hospital. Just get the help you need to move forward with this because it can eat you up if you let it. Absolutely. I have a whole chapter on my life after miscarriage ebook about like marriage after miscarriage. And it was literally like the second I realized that I couldn't really just like expect my husband to like relate, I guess. And yeah, turn to yeah. like outside sources, like the internet, like the lamp fam. Um, it completely like it helped our marriage so much because our marriage was like legit. I, I don't want to say it was crumbling, but it was like not good after our miscarriage. No, no, I, I totally understand. I mean, like you just like, you get some, like you get frustrated because you don't feel like your spouse might care as much as you do. You know, like it just, you. Want to talk you, about it so much too. At least like yes. I did. Like I wanted yes. to talk about it all the time and my husband didn't. And exactly. So then I, yep. I just realized I had to, I had to go, I had to find somewhere else. Yes. No, <laughs> to, no, to it, it totally is. Yeah. Cause I think that mm-hmm. like, that's the thing. It's like, it, for me, like, like you said, like I wanted to talk about it and he was just like, you know what? Like I, do, I don't want to talk about it anymore. And you know, my husband's not like a super emotional type of guy, you know? So so I just, you know, so that's why I had to, you know, I started talking. I was going to go to a group because of COVID. It's kind of like hard because, you know, meeting with groups of people is not really a thing right now. So it would have been virtual. My, I mean, my counselor is also virtual too. So I don't even have to, like, I do a Zoom like conference with her and we just, you know, talk. So you don't have to physically leave your house. I, I do it from home. So <laughs> Yeah. Now, if somebody wants to reach out to you and chat with you, where can they do so? Um, so my Instagram handle is, I think it's Ruby underscore Hull. Um, it's private, but yeah, totally. I would, you know, or Facebook to Ruby Hull. Uh, I would be glad to talk to anybody. You know, I think just having somebody to talk to just goes, you know, a thousand miles for somebody. Totally. Well, thank you so much, Ruby, for doing this. I appreciate it. I know this is still really fresh for you and um, you'll have to keep us posted. Best of luck moving forward and hopefully we'll do an update episode at some point.
Awesome. Thank you so much for having me. I'm so glad, you know, I mean, honestly, this podcast, like I, I would sit here and listen to the podcast, like just to get, you know, just to hear people's stories and, and get me through. That was like my early, you know, self, self therapy, um, to get through any of this. And I remember telling my husband, I was like, Oh, like I listened to this podcast. He's like, there's a podcast for miscarriage. And I was like, yes, there is. And there's a lot of people and there's a lot of different stories. Your husband sounds just like mine. (laughs) (laughs) It's funny. All right, Ruby, thank you so much. And we'll chat soon. Thank you so much. Take care. Thank you so much for listening. If you enjoyed this episode, make sure you share it with a friend who could find it useful or share it on your Instagram stories. Tag myself, tag my guest so that we can personally thank you. This is a lamb fam, you guys. We're not in this alone. We're creating this ripple effect together.